BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I don't want this to be politicians talking. I don't want this to be people weighing in. I want people with mental health backgrounds discussing this issue and trying to come up with what are best work practices we can do to help support the men and women of the police department. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Alderman Matt O'Shea of the Southwest Side's 19th Ward, champion of Chicago police officers in the city council. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Fran. Glad to be here. Tough time to be a police officer. Really tough. The worst job in America. Absolutely. Why is that? Why do you think it's gotten to this awful point? You know, just a few years ago, Fran, everybody agreed that police officers were heroes. While the majority of us were staying home and staying safe in the initial days of the pandemic, police officers were out there every day at work. And then the world turned upside down. And now police officers can't do anything right in the eyes of, of a vocal minority um, they have been cast aside. They have been picked on, abused, um, blamed for so many things that are wrong with society. I, uh, I don't know how they go out and do it each and every day, serving and protecting in our city. And it's, it's not just in our city, it's, it's nationwide, but, uh, it's been really frustrating to see, um, what they've gone through and how so many people, when I say people, I'm talking about community leaders, elected officials, um, have turned their backs on them. And uh, the only way we're going to turn this around, the only way we're going to get this crime under control, the only way we're going to start to get that pendulum to swing back the other way is if we partner with the police and we support the police and we're failing. Well, let's let's trace it back even further to than just the George Floyd death and the civil unrest that followed in 2020. Let's talk also about the Ferguson effect. Do you remember when Mayor Rahm Emanuel uh, suggested at a meeting with the Justice Department and other federal officials and local law enforcement people from around the nation? that cops were going fetal, as he put it. It was controversial then. But what he meant was that police officers were afraid of being caught on the next video that went viral. And so this has been going on for a long time, hasn't it? Uh, Yeah, it does does trace back even further than uh, 2020. 
I just, if we want to make communities safe, we need to rebuild trust. And when so many people are looking to not assist the police, not cooperate with the police, not you know help the police, and the first thought is, well, let's get them on videotape. Let's look for something to go wrong here. Um, police officers are friends, and, and police officers, friend, they're not just our first line of defense. They're our only line of defense in this city right now. We have senseless violence in every community going on. We have grandmothers who are afraid to walk to the corner, to the store. We have mothers who are afraid to let their kids out on the front porch, never mind going to the local park. And not enough people are talking about this. And then when you see what they're going through, you know, with, with their days off canceled and their extended shifts, um, this is no way to live. And we have seen three suicides just in recent days. Yes, and I think um, there's many reasons for that, but we have failed as a city to provide mental health wellness for our police officers. You know, we hear people in leadership talk about platitudes, and we're, we're hiring counselors and we're hiring clinicians. We're opening up facilities. We've been talking about those things, Fran, for three years. We have one temporary facility opened. We were putting a, a clinician in every single police district, of which we have 22. Only half of them are filled today. We're hoping to get to 15 by the fall. We've been talking about this for three years. And then when you couple that with what used to be, you know, Memorial Day, Father's Day, the 4th of July, days off canceled. They've effectively had days off canceled 90% of the time since May 1st. It's not sustainable. I, I hear from police officers, spouses that, you know, my wife's worked 17 days in a row. My husband's worked 23 days in a row. Our police officers need time for rest. They need time with their families. They need time to decompress and just be away from the job and to repeatedly have their days off canceled, to repeatedly have their shifts extended. Nothing good is going to happen from that. You know, they're, they're literally walking around, many of them, as, as zombies, just, just trying to, to get through the shift, to get home. And I think as part of that, what we're seeing is more and more officers are making that sad tragic decision, you know, through the demons that they're battling, through what they witness, the trauma they go through each and every shift, the ugliest part of society, and and they bottle it up, and they don't reach out for help, and then they make a, a permanent decision for a temporary problem. And unfortunately, I've seen it up close here in my community, uh, many of these officers and their families, I know, these are good, decent people that were leaders in their role, whether it be at the department or in my community. You know, three weeks ago, Chicago Police Officer Patsy Swank died by suicide. Her very last shift, 
less than 24 hours before she died. She responded to a call at a home where well-being check. She arrived with the Chicago Fire Department. There in the home, the mother was deceased on the floor in the bathroom, and her two-year-old child lay next to her in a diaper covered in feces. The mother had been gone for two days. This poor baby was there with its deceased mother. Patsy Swank, right there, took the baby cleaned the baby up, took the baby to the hospital. Her supervisors wanted her to go home. No, 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 Patsy Swank was, was a true hero. She stayed with that baby in the hospital. Now, she had been telling her family for weeks that she was exhausted, but what did she do that day? She went above and beyond as a Chicago police officer. And the very next morning, she was gone. And that's just one example of many out there that we could tell of, of what our officers go through each and every day. That's heartbreaking. It's and the Chicago Fire Department has already worked, been working on an award for her. That day, that very day, they were calling over to the police department to a supervisor saying, Officer Swank did this in the midst of our, our, our paramedics and our firefighters that responded to this same call. Um, just devastating. You have been a champion for the police officers. You championed the ordinance that extends to the spouses of suicide victims in the police and fire department, the same benefits to someone who died in the line of duty. This week, you and a bunch of other aldermen rushed in to try to solve this issue of these canceled days off. And we saw a flurry of ordinances uh, talking about allowing police officers to decline over time, to require notice of their schedules, to pay them if they take the, uh, the extra time, to prevent officers from being worked like mules, as the union president likes to say. Let's talk about your version of this ordinance. What would your ordinance do about this, and how would it help solve that problem? My ordinance would just be one small step in that right direction, and it would be that sworn members of the Chicago Police Department must have at least 24-hour consecutive time of rest for every consecutive 60-hour period that they've worked. One day off a week, Fran. That's all this ordinance was for, um, just to give them some time. Now, if an officer has a young family and they want to work overtime, if an officer you know, might be getting married and wants to earn extra dollars to, to help pay for the wedding, sure, they, they can take that overtime, but that there at least be one day a week that they're offered time off to rest, to decompress, to spend time with their family. I introduced that yesterday. I had 37 members of the Chicago City Council that signed on in support. It was sent to the Committee on Workforce Development. I've spoken with my colleague, Chairman Sugarza, uh, another big supporter uh, of the men and women of the Chicago Police Department, and I'd like to hearing to, a hearing to be held on it. And when I say a hearing to be held, I want mental health experts 
in the room talking to us about what police officers are experiencing and how much these schedules have had an effect on them. I don't want this to be politicians talking. I don't want this to be people weighing in. I want people with mental health backgrounds discussing this issue and trying to come up with what are best work practices we can do to help support the men and women of the police department. So is the 24-hour thing the crux of it, or is there more? That's the crux of it. That's it. And Alexa James from NAMI Chicago, the National Association of Mental Illness, uh, who was a consultant to the police department, is no longer doing that. And she says she thinks this is criminal, what they're doing to the police. I don't disagree. You know, um, I was really excited when I heard that Alexa James was being brought in as a member of the transition team. And even more excited that I, when I heard, you know, three years ago that she was going to be brought in as a, you know, as a consultant with the police department, because we knew then that we had a real problem here. And you talk about a wasted opportunity to have a person with the passion and the knowledge and the experience and the expertise um, on this important topic and for her to leave that role because people in leadership weren't willing to work, didn't want to work, didn't want to try to solve the problem. It's, it's just another example of how frustrating this is. Who's to blame for that? Oh, there's plenty of blame to go around, but it, it starts at the leadership of, of the police department. David Brown. Yes. The mayor's defends him every chance she gets. She talks about the 20 million that she put in the budget at his request to add the clinicians, even though half of them haven't been hired yet. And I don't know why that is. Is there some kind of shortage of clinicians? What's the problem there? I, I don't know. I haven't been able to get someone to answer that for me. Um, I know this. When we've needed to hire people for other positions in city government, it can be done at the drop of a hat. But what is a crisis in the Chicago Police Department, which is a crisis for public safety in our city, we've been talking about this for three years. It was announced a year ago. And we have a temporary, we have one temporary facility on the southeast side. And last I heard, as far as a north side location, wherever they were at, those talks broke down. Um, again, people talk in platitudes, but we are so lacking in this. I, I, I feel like, you know, everyone's talking a big game. No one's following up until this is a priority, until this is important to people. I don't know that we're not going to hear in the coming days of another first responder who dies by suicide, another family, lives turned upside down. You had the mayor of Chicago actually say that police officers have plenty of time off, that it's built into their contract with the furlough days and this and that and the other thing, all the things that are built into that FOP contract. And yet the police officers 
flat out deny that, ridiculed her. What do you think of what she said there? I I was floored when I was told that that was, and, and that literally was the press conference the day that we got the suicide death benefit passed unanimously through the Chicago City Council. Um, I don't know why she would say that. Um, she should come and talk to the families that I represent out here in the 19th Ward um, because many, many officers have gone weeks without days off and they're not able to, they're, they're missing vacations. They're missing their children's ball games, family parties, time alone with their loved ones, their children. That's not the case. They do not have enough time off. Does she not know this? Is she just, you know, into her defense and deny mode? Or what what it what would cause her to say that and deny something that everyone says isn't true? I can't speak for Mayor Lightfoot or Superintendent Brown. I can only say that my experience in talking to families and talking to officers is the exact opposite. I, I, I don't know why we continue to defend the decisions that have been made when things are not better. Do we live in a city today that is safer than it was three years ago? No. There's, there's crime and then there's the perception of crime. And I can speak for my neighborhood. People are scared. People are fed up. People are tired of excuses. She keeps talking about homicides are down 15%, shootings are down 20% over last year. She keeps pointing to that. And you say- Where are they what? from three? Murders are up, shootings are up. Citywide today, robberies are up. We know carjackings are up. Burglaries are up. We have 1,700 less police officers than we did three years ago today. Nobody wants to become the police. And nobody wants to hear that things are a little better from this awful period last year. What do your yeah. residents say when they hear the mayor say those things and cite those statistics? Typically, I get a flurry of phone calls and emails. And, um, you know, it's... But if not for advances in medical science, but if not for the wonderful frontline medical workers we have at some of our trauma centers, um, I don't know what the murder rate might be. That's an untold part of this, isn't it? In the old days, you know, years ago, someone would die of a, a gunshot wound that maybe today, because of those advances, they're living for, but that doesn't make it better. Right. You know, we've got the the best fire department in the world. Um, they get there, they're able to stop the bleeding and, and get the person stabilized and get them to a trauma center where they can be saved. And, and 20, 30 years ago, chances are they, they don't survive. Earlier this uh, week, the mayor had a response when someone talked about 
let the police be the police, let them take the handcuffs off them, stop uh, prohibiting them from engaging in most foot chases and car chases and putting so many shackles on police work. And she was, she says, oh, you mean John Burge? You mean SOS? What, what did you think of that answer? I, again, I was very surprised to hear that. Uh, no one's talking about going back to anything like that. We're talking about when the police see something suspicious, they should be able to pull over a vehicle. When the police respond to a scene where multiple calls are that there were gunshots and they see an offender fleeing on foot, we want them to be able to pursue them. But as we continue to hold the police back and allow them to be out there serving and protecting, the bad guys are winning. The urban terrorists are winning. And our city's being torn apart. So when a cop arrives on the scene, is are they just taking a pass on any chase because they're afraid that, that it won't be approved? Or do they try and get denied? What happens? I don't know that I, I could get too far into the weeds on that other than I know this much. Many Chicago police officers today are concerned that if they do their job and they try to get the bad guys off the street, someone's going to come after them. Their job, their family name, all because they were responding when everybody else was running from the crime. I just, I don't understand why more people don't want to see a stronger presence of law and order. That's not bad policing. That's making neighborhoods safe. That's allowing children to grow up on a block in a neighborhood safely to play with their friends out in front, not walk around with their head on a swivel, afraid that every time a car goes by, could it be a drive-by? That's what many of these neighborhoods live through each and every day. I couldn't imagine living like that. Four years ago, almost, you provided a critical endorsement in the in the second round of the mayoral election for Lori Lightfoot. It was a very, very important election because your ward is so important and you deliver such a big vote. What are you going to do this time? Does she deserve your support again? Or has she been such a disappointment to you that you'll be picking somebody else. I mean, the field's at eight right now, I believe eight or nine. Um, you know, this election is eight months away. I'm focused right now on just trying to serve my community, but I've been very disappointed. You know, this pandemic, no one saw coming or what, what it could do to the city. But the senseless violence that is so pervasive across the city. And for people to say things like murders are down, it's we're a world class city. I don't know if we are anymore based on where we're headed. You say you've been disappointed. Disappointed in exactly what? 
in her. My disappointment is in the fact that public safety is compromised in the city. Crime is up. The perception of crime is up. Bad guys are winning. And some of our judicial partners need to wear the jacket for part of that, too, as we have this revolving door down at 26 in California. But there's plenty of blame to go around. And each and every day, I'm just trying to make sure I'm doing everything I can to work with the police and keep my community safe, to invest in our schools, to support our small businesses. Every day when you wake up, you read about another horrible crime that happened somewhere. With 1,700 less police officers, we got to get this thing turned around. we got to get the pendulum to start swinging back the other way. So you're disappointed in the mayor of Chicago. Are you going to endorse her again? I mean, you, your support was critical, and it could I won't be, be making again. An endorsement. I won't be making an endorsement, Ms. Merrill, in the February You're going to take a pass? You're going to take a pass? As of right now, I won't be making an endorsement. Why not? Because I don't like the way the city's headed. I want to see real change. And right now, I see much of the same. But more importantly, the people that elected me three times, people that I represent in Beverly, Morgan Park, and Mount Greenwood, that's what they're telling me each and every day. When I'm out in the neighborhood with the emails and the phone calls, I mean, this horrible tragedy we had here 11 days ago with an off-duty Chicago police officer shot in the back. That's really got my community turned upside down, Fran. You know, a local hero struck down. And his fiance is very upset that the mayor has not reached out to her or the family. Is that right? Or him? I, I, I read that. You know, I I feel like so much of the past 11 days, we haven't been focused on what exactly happened there. You know, here we have a, a young Chicago police officer. He's 31 years old. He's out with his friends and his cousins, his extended family. They were part of a wonderful fundraiser that we had here in our community with thousands of people, literally 5,000 people. We're here at Kennedy Park that night celebrating this wonderful place we all call home. And a fight breaks out. And Danny Golden is trying to break up the fight. Danny Golden is announcing his office as a Chicago police officer, trying to separate the people in this disagreement. And these cowards run to their car. And they get a gun. Now, it wasn't just a normal gun. It wasn't your regular old handgun, Fran. It had what was known as a switch attached to it, effectively a machine gun, a killing machine. And these three shoot 22 rounds into this group of people. Danny Golden has his back to the shooters. He's trying to protect this group of people. He's trying to get them back. He's doing what he's supposed to do as he's trained as a U.S. Army veteran, as a Chicago police officer, to intercede and be a peacemaker. And he gets shot in the back. He's paralyzed from the mid-abdomen down. I went to see him last night at the... Uh, rehab. 
Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. Yeah. I talked to Amara. Friend, you'd never know. You'd never know what this young man had just been through. Sitting up in his hospital bed. No pity. No anger. He's getting married next year. He wants to remain a Chicago police officer. He's talking about the future. I walked out of there last night. Couldn't believe the spirit and just the, the, the fighting strength of this young man. We're going to see him back in uniform. He's going to continue to serve this city. Mark my words. He'll figure Has out he a gotten way. a call? Has he gotten a call from the mayor? I don't know that. So you're not going to make an endorsement because she's been a disappointment. Is it just about the crime or is it the disappointment extend to other things like ethics or her personality? What What is the reason why she's such a big disappointment to you? I don't know where this started, but, you know, we're the elected representatives of our community. And we have to work together. We know our community. We want what's best for our communities. And I know this. If a mayor isn't successful, the city isn't successful. We want our mayor to be successful. We want our mayor to lead the city. We need to partner and work on these issues. And we have many, many issues across our city. And for whatever reason, time after time, we can't get partnership. I don't know why that is. I've extended myself. And now, now my residents, they're furious. They're just beside themselves in frustration and anger. Taxes are going up. Crimes are going up. Crime is going up. Who are they furious at? I think. I think my neighborhood's no different than anyone else. I think they're they're furious at, at elected officials across the board. So why is there no collaboration with elected officials? I don't know that. I've I've been confounded by that for a while now. You know, is the is is the frustration extend to who she chose to lead the department of police? And the fact that she's sticking with him? I think that's part of the problem. You know, I, Chicagoans, they want an honest, transparent government and, and you know, uses their taxpayer resources efficiently. But, you know, having so many first responders in my community, having so many police officers, they've been incredibly frustrated. So I take it if you were to endorse her again, you'd have a mini rebellion on your hands. You'd be in trouble, probably. <laughs> I'd have a civil war on my hands. But I'm that's how angry they are. That's how angry yeah. they are at her. Yeah, and I think that's that's in every community right now. The frustration with. Does your disappointment extend to ethics, where we saw an ethics ordinance approved this week that was watered down at her request, the mayor's request? I mean, anytime you're talking about not making ethics stronger with all that we've seen here 
across our country, across our state. Um, you know, I work closely with my colleague, Michelle Smith, both, you know, back in 2019 and again over the last several weeks on, on trying to have stronger ethics legislation on the books. And I mean, I, I just don't think we should be watering things down. We need to show the taxpayers that we're looking out for them and we're being transparent. And I know that's an abused word these days. Everyone likes to throw that word around, but. I hate it myself. <laughs> yeah. It's a cliche now. It really is. Remember a few years ago, the, the, the phrase was forensic audit. Everybody oh, threw please. that around. Stop. You're going to get me sick to my stomach. <laughs> you know, but um, I just, I'm going to keep trying to do what I do for my neighborhood and fighting for economic development and trying to do more to support our schools and doing what I can to support the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation and Special Olympics. And I'm going to continue to try to do my part. Has she been the reformer she promised to be when she got elected on the Burke scandal? Well, there hasn't, when we say reformer, you know, I, let me backtrack there. I was really excited as a former federal prosecutor, as someone that had worked on, with the police department on a lot of things. Um, she said all the right things. You know, we, we, we talked at length when, when she was, in the runoff about investing in our schools and investing and in offering more support for our police officers. It's been slow and there hasn't been the progress that we needed. So why not pick another candidate then? Why just sit it out? I just right now, I, I, I'm not interested in, in making a decision on an election that's in February. Right, but you're not going to make an endorsement in this mayor's race. Not right now, I'm not. No. Matt O'Shea, you're a very thoughtful guy and you're a passionate guy and you care a lot about your community and a lot about the people you represent, many police officers. They're lucky to have you as a conscience in the city council. Thanks for joining us and we will see you all next week. Thanks, friend.